Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Really, James Bond is coming back to the big screen in cinemas in the UK, and we're hoping to go to every one of the 25 films. Join us as we celebrate the 60th anniversary of our favourite British agents by watching them all in order. We hope you guys are watching them too, so please let us know your thoughts. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and our podcast is available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as video episodes on YouTube. Simply search for Really 007 Pod. Roger Moore really hit his stride in his third film, The Iconic, The Spy Who Loved Me. It's the biggest, it's the best, it's Bond. And beyond. James Bond and the woman is Major Masova, Russian agent. Let them get ashore and then kill them. Watch out! business and your people get killed. We both know that. Then, when this mission is over, I will kill you. Within minutes, New York and Moscow will cease to exist. James, I'm sorry. I have to get her off. How? Well, well, well. A British agent in love with a Russian agent. Your time's running out, Stromberg. Yours too, Mr. Bond. Yours too. It's the biggest. It's the best. It's Bond. 
and beyond. This week we suffered from some mishap and therefore only math got to see the spy love me on the big screen. So it's a slighter episode than usual, but rest assured, we have plenty of people who wanted to air their thoughts on the film at the cinema. And of course, we've also got many other episodes available on The Spy Who Loved Me. Not least, an interview with Bond girl Susie Vanna, the log cabin girl herself. We've also got an interview with Katarina Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick's daughter, who designed the metal teeth for Jaws and also worked on production design on Moonraker. And if that wasn't enough, we've also got our ridiculously long, epic, stupid, silly review of The Spy Love Me. So check all those episodes out on YouTube and iTunes and Spotify. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hello, this is Gary Kay at the Odeon Cinema in Bath. Just about to go in to see my absolute favourite James Bond film of all time, The Spy Who Loved Me. Most looking forward to that incredible pre-title sequence. I love Marvin Hamlisch's score for this film as well, so looking forward to hearing that through a decent cinema sound system and seeing the Egyptian locations. And Roger Moore is very, very best. Speak to you later. Hi there, so it's Steve Clamp here, a.k.a. Well, yeah, Steve Clamp. About to see The Spy Love Me, which I'm really excited about. One of my favourite Bond films and always has been up there as one of my favourite films. Definitive Roger Moore. Taking my two teenagers, it is actually Father's Day today. So um, we're all looking forward to it, I think. They have seen a couple of Bond films. My daughter is nodding, thinks she's seen this one before. Son thinks he hasn't. So we will see. We'll see what the verdict is when we come back out. But yeah, really buzzing because it's the first of the Bond films I've managed to see on this uh, 60th anniversary run. Let's go. Where's Peckish? Where's Peckish? Pyramids! Ah! What a helpful chap. Good evening, folks. Kieran Richard, a.k.a. Kieran Brown, here once again. Short and sweet review tonight, much to your satisfaction, <laughs> I jest. But um, no, no, just arrived home from the 4K screening of The Spy Who Loved Me. A spectacle to behold tonight, I have to say. Thoroughly enjoyed this one. We're into the full flow now of Roger Moore's tenure, I would say. And, well, dear Roger, sorry, Bob, I'm only going to use it the once tonight. No, he's my Bond. He's the Bond I grew up with. I was first properly introduced to, so for me, this is part of this marathon, as it were, that I'm most relishing, I would say, or have been most looking forward to. There's not much I can say about this film that hasn't already been said. It's one of the best in the series, as far as I'm concerned, and... Yes, the quality of the print that I witnessed tonight was certainly the best that I have seen thus far up to this point. The visual experience was just, it was just, it was great. Lots of details. Of course, every film of that era will have its moments. The occasional grainy scene, that's that sort of thing, you know, so forth. But generally speaking, the visual experience was top notch. I couldn't really fault it. So for that alone, well worth seeing. The music, no real new cues as we always seem to touch upon now when we discuss the film that we've just seen. But one thing that I did realise, I suppose, regarding the musical score is just how many wonderful little cues Marvin Hamlish put in that score. But they never found their way onto the soundtrack album. I mean, the whole ski chase at the beginning, 
The soundtrack for that is actually very different from Bond 77 and the sounds and the flow that that track conveys. But anyway, I would love to see a full soundtrack release of this film at some point. I absolutely would. I mean, obviously Moonraker is probably everyone's dream, but this isn't far behind, I tell you. But no, the soundtrack was just, it was great again in surround sound, that sort of thing. But no, overall, great experience. I'm thoroughly enjoying this marathon and now I'm in Roger Moore's tenure. Yeah, it's happy days all round, but if you haven't seen it, highly recommend that you do. Let's roll on Moonmaker next week. Good night, folks. This is Susie Banner from The Spy Who Loved Me. This is for Really 007. I just want to say, oh, James, I need you. Hello, Chris Schofield from Nelson. Just made the trip to The Rock in Bury View Cinema to watch Spy Who Loved Me with my nephew, 11-year-old Job. Job, what did you think? I would rate it a... Uh... A 7 out of 10, because it, it wasn't the greatest James Bond. Pardon? <laughs> what do you mean it wasn't the greatest? <laughs> there were some bits that would pierce through your ears. Oh, right, you thought the sound was really, really, really loud. Yeah, and some of the scenes. Right, right. Yes, I, I thought the sound was incredibly loud at this one. I don't know whether that's just because they'd done something with the remastering or the fact that someone had left the volume switch to 11 in the cinema... What about uh, some of the characters? Did you like Jaws? No? You're not sure about Jaws? Jaws with the metal teeth? No. Why not? I hated him. You hated him? Right, it's a bit harsh. My least favourite character out of all of them. What do you think of Roger Moore as James Bond? He's okay. He's okay? Not the best. Not He's not better than Timothy Dalton. Wise words. Wise words. Well, I think it's been a good experience though, hasn't it? Yes. Seeing James Bond on a massive cinema screen, I bet none of your mates listen to that, will they? None of my mates even like James Bond. Well, what does that say about your mates then, Job? I don't know. Half well, of Okay, fair enough, we'll look at that line. Well, it's been really good. I thought the print was excellent. I thought, as I said, the sound just seemed like really, really loud. Roger Moore were great. In some of the, on, in some of the scenes. Some of the scenes. Been looking forward to coming back to watch this at the cinema. I say coming back, as in come back to the cinema to watch the Bond film. And this one has been brilliant. I've had a good time. Job seems to have had half a good time. <laughs> Roll on Moonraker next week. That's going to look amazing. I really can't wait to see that. Big space film. It's going to look great on the cinema. And Joe's return. Adios. This is the tomb of Cheops, Pharaoh of the fourth dynasty, 4,500 years ago. Here is the Great Pyramid, which he built to defend himself against death. set out upon his journey into eternity. Death lies waiting.
Bekesh? With the pharaohs. You killed him? No, he was dead when I found him. Hope you enjoyed the show. Good night. Well, we're just out from watching The Spy Who Loved Me. I think it went well. I've got my uh, two oldest, I want to say children, but they're more like big lumps now. I've got my son, Ben, he's 15 here, and my daughter, who, uh, well, she has many names because she's very mysterious, so let's call her Triple <laughs> X now. So, Ben, first, what did what did you make of the, the movie? It was good. Yeah, what did you like? Explosions. <laughs> I say he's grown up. He's clearly not grown up. Triple uh, X? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I forgot how many, like, kind of puns and just, like, I kind of, like, took the mick, you know? Like, it doesn't take the seriously and always forget that it's like that especially the older James Bond films is, is that a good thing yeah I like that I don't think you should take it seriously <laughs> and obviously it's well it's nearly as old as me the film which shows you just how old it is 45 years old did you feel it felt very old watching it or did you think it was once you're watching it on the big screen it felt okay there are a few scenes that definitely seemed older, but the rest of it seemed the same. Oh, that's good. Uh, what did you think over there? I mean, you can tell it's older, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I, it felt newer that I was, I was watching it in the cinema. Yeah, that, that made it feel a bit fresh on the big screen. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't mind that the fact that you can see its age. <laughs> And uh, what did we think of Roger Moore? You, in fact, Ben, you were saying that you, during the pre-credits you weren't even quite sure who Bond was until you got into the main part of the film. Yeah, at th- first I thought he was Triple X's uh, fiancé or the guy she's with, and in the end it obviously wasn't. Well, the actor certainly wished it was him, I think, at the time. Uh, what did you think of Roger Moore? I know you've seen a few of the Bond films before Triple X, but what did you think? Yeah, he's, he's a good actor. He, he fits the part well. Yeah. What else can I say? <laughs> Good, okay, and Jaws, word for Jaws, we like Jaws? Eats a shark. <laughs> too tall for my liking. <laughs> the size of his hands too, <laughs> enormous hands. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll leave it there, I'll probably think of something else to say and add it later, but thanks guys, and uh, that was Father's Day, what a great Father's Day. I'm sorry, you're just too late. Give me the key. Try the big one. Can you play any other tune? Let's try reverse. That's backwards. Shaken, but not stirred. Hello, Darren Bissell here, trying to keep my end up to delve deeply into the treasures with my review of... With my review of... Uh, uh, oh, sorry, I just need to blow my nose. Oh, green. Healthy colour. 
Oh, sorry. Sorry, what was I? So Cubby is now alone in charge, and with UA as partners, all guns were loaded into making this a bond to go beyond any of its predecessors. It wouldn't be too dramatic to say that if Spy didn't do the business, the series may have folded, but with a $13.5 million budget, I think twice the size of Golden Gun, the return of Lewis Gilbert in the director's chair, Ken Adams' genius designs, the introduction of Christopher Wood as scriptwriter, yes, okay, he wrote the Confessions films, but we'll move on in case the kids ask difficult questions, and Roger Moore becoming Roger Moore James Bond, as opposed to being James Bond Roger Moore, The Spy Who Loved Me is a classic. I said in my review of the Swedish yoghurt, Yolt, that film acted as a dress rehearsal for Spy, and I still stand by that. Instead of spaceships being swallowed up, it's submarines. Instead of Blofeld pushing the buttons as a shipping megalomaniac, wanting a beautiful world beneath the sea, as it's now become corrupt and decadent. He's not wrong, is he? But that doesn't justify mass murder, of course. Well, maybe one or two people need to be put away, but let's not get too political. I've seen this before on the big screen, and upon second viewing at the Odeon Brombra, I still fizz with the magic this film possesses. From the first sight of the gun barrel, a new gun barrel of course, given we're back to Panavision, and Marvin Hamlish's new take on the Bond theme, you're in straight away. Then comes the pre-title sequence, which for me was the best pre-title sequence of them all until last year. When Rick Sylvester leaps off the Mount Asgard cliff and reveals the Union Jack parachute after just dodging a rogue ski, it immediately entered movie folklore. Then the pair of silhouette hands appear to catch Bond and commence one of Binder's finest moments, together with a theme song sung by Carly Simon. That title sequence is like eating the finest chocolate brownie with vanilla ice cream, and when it ends, I always have a warm, satisfied glow and inwardly give a large sigh. This film is still in perfect trim, absolutely no excess in terms of length. It runs like a trans de grand vitesse train thanks to the return of John Glenn as editor and overflows with quality. Ken Adam is the real star of this film. His presence was really missed in the last two movies, with no disrespect to Sid Kane and Peter Merton. The Atlantis and Leparis sets just scream Oscar. Many moons ago, I visited Pinewood Studios in the dark, quiet days of the early 90s, and we were given a tour by Peter Lamont, which included going into the 007 stage. It may have been empty that day, but my mind was full of imagination of all the grand, huge sets and set pieces that were held in that building. The size of that stage does not fully come across on the big screen, which makes the Laparas sequences even more amazing. Here's a question. When the final battle takes place in the Laparas, where were the Russian crew that were kidnapped? You see the Brits and the Americans. I mean, the Russians didn't suddenly take sides with Stromberg's crew, did they? I know they're capable of anything these days, but sorry, sorry, we're getting political again. Derek Medding's special effects are superb, even managing to fool a real oil tanker captain in asking where they got the tanker for the film. The transition of the Lotus Esprit from car to sub took five or six different models or shells for it to work, and on screen is beautifully seamless. Finally, there's the Marvin Hamlish score, which in the film is one of the finest scores in the series, and produced one of the finest Bond themes with Carol Bayer Sega, which became a tribute theme, of course, to Roger. Yet the magic is lost when hearing the score on the soundtrack album. For some reason, the arrangements on the album changed, and as a result became rather too easy listening, and lost its dramatic edge. The old adage, if it ain't broke. Thanks to them both sharing the same sense of humour, Lewis and Roger were a perfect partnership. There's a sense of relief in Roger in this film, in being within his comfort zone, which he had with Live and Let Die. Like a swan, he glides through this film with effortless grace, yet when he needs to, he does bring the hard edge of the character when required, such as the scene when he admits killing Anya's lover, the scene when he asks Carter for more time to rescue Anya from Atlantis, and the ultimate showdown with Stromberg. 
What many seem to forget is that Bond shoots Stromberg four times in that scene without the raise of an eyebrow, even if they did include the deleted Bond quip. Bullseye fish finger, it would not have reduced the cold-blooded nature of his dispatch. Of course, the kicking of Locke's car in Fiora Eyes Only is the quintessential Roger true Fleming Bond moment, if you like, but this scene is easily forgotten, as indeed is the dispatch of Shandor. Barbara Bach is the George Lazenby of the Bond girls, in that if she was a Bond woman in a different, more lower-tier Bond film, would we remember her in the same way? Also, like George, there are times in which her school report would say could do better, but there are moments in which she does show her potential, and in the most important scenes too, such as hearing the news from Gogol of Sergei's death, the promise to Bond that she will kill him when the mission is over, and the final scene when you think she will act upon her promise. The relationship between Bond and Anya is of course the key to the film, and the chemistry is there between Moore and Bach, despite Bach's shortcomings. But let me put it this way, there's more chemistry between Roger and Barbara in this film than with Barbara and Ringo Starr in Give My Regards to Broad Street, and their real-life husband and wife. Kurt Jurgens is marvellous as Stromberg. Yes, he's not in the top echelon of Bond villains, but he relishes delivering his scene-chewing lines, and I love at times he delivers a long intake of breath between lines to add even more drama or humour to it all. For example, Then we must hope, Captain, that you'll suffer no further. Miss Hap, or yours too, Mr. Bond, yours too, and faster than you think. Who else but Richard Keel could play Jaws? Not only because he was 7 foot 4 inches tall, but everything about him made no one else imaginable to play this part. The Christopher Lee influence is still within this film with the Dracula-style presence Keel has, but there are elements of Wile E. Coyote in Spy which were bloated in Spy's successor. Up to the train fight, he's up there with Red Grant as the best henchman of the series. Thereafter, the goofy laughs start to blunt the killer edge. Special mentions should be made for Caroline Monroe with her lovely lines, Shane Rimmer, who finally got more of a bit part in a Bond film, and the Bond family is extended, with the introduction of Walter Cottell, Geoffrey Keane, and Robert Brown leaving a marker for the future. Of course, all the family are served well here. This film delivers in every way. It's a Sunday roast of a Bond film, with an extra smattering of triple-cooked roasters. There is a case that it may lack grittiness or authentic Fleming-esque touches, but like Goldfinger the film, it's just the peak of real-world fantasy. Like all the Gilbert films, this one can only be truly appreciated on the big screen. It is Roger's best Bond film, and we all know he knew this too. Box office receipts were big, and like Skyfall, Bond and Jubilees went well together, showing what makes Britain great. It wasn't the biggest film of 1977, and because of this, Broccoli Aeol took influence and changed course from making perhaps the most Fleming Moore Bond of all, to making their most expensive pantomime of all. All the best, guys. Mr. Sterling? Yes? I'm Naomi. Mr. Stromberg sent me to collect you. How do you do? Uh, this is my wife, who so happens to be my assistant. You are on holiday here? Well, there's an ocean. A marine biologist is never on holiday. Can we uh, offer you a drink before we go? No, thank you. Mr. Stromberg's a very busy man. His time is precious. What a handsome craft. Such lovely lines. Hi, Steve again here. I've uh, dropped the big kids off and I've had a little chance to reflect on what was an amazing evening. Uh, we went to The View in Worcester. There was about 35 people there. That's a decent turnout for a film with almost no publicity. And it was it was really well uh, turned up. I love the volume louder than it was. Although I did notice that films of that era and before, 
they don't have the dynamic range that you get with newer films probably from the kind of mid 80s onwards you started to get more bass and crisper treble i wonder if it's because the films were being tailored to the less impressive cinema sound systems of the time which were probably a lot more middle range based picture quality though was great and it is a film really made for the big screen whether it's the incredible sets i mean to me the Laparis tanga set with the submarines is the most impressive set of any bond film or whether it's the delicious action sequences or the jump scares with george they're far more affecting on the big screen oh and the locations egypt in particular looks stunning and you barely notice the changes when they went from location to studio Roger Moore here in his third Bond film, he's in full flow, striking a perfect balance between ruthless killer and, well, suave, witty, humoured gentleman. He's just great. The supporting cast are all in fine form too. It's probably Moore's best film as Bond, even if it's not the one I necessarily enjoy the most. I do love A View to a Kill, An Octopussy and a Moonraker, but it is a great film. The plot really works from the very beginning, from the pre-credit sequence. It all links together. The action is plentiful and imaginative. The humour's well-placed. The title song, well, it's just iconic, isn't it? As is the Lotus, really memorable. Jaws is such a scene-stealer. And a special mention for Derek Meddings and his team. I mean, for miniature effects, guys, the hardest things to make look real with scale are water and fire. And yet the Laparis tanker looks incredible, especially in the wide shots out at sea. And then, of course, when it blows up, the flames look actually big. And some of the... The optical illusion shots of Atlantis are so clever, far more believable than any CGI I've ever seen. As for things I've not spotted before that I saw on the big screen, well, I bet most people have seen this, but I don't think I'd clocked it. When Naomi first goes to shoot at the Lotus in her helicopter, the first thing she hits is a signpost, which is warning of uh, a bendy road. And I thought it's quite nice because obviously Bond rarely pays attention to any road signs. And also, and this one everyone would have seen apart from me, Every time I watch the film, I mean to look for the webbed hands of Strongberg. Never noticed them before on a TV screen. I was looking for them again, and of course on a huge cinema screen, they were much easier to spot. It's a real little detail, isn't it, that I bet few people notice first time round. What a film. And you know what? I've not even mentioned the ski jump. I'll let others do that. What a wonderful evening. Patch here. Today I saw my favourite Bond film, The Spy Loved Me, on the big screen. And it was absolutely one of those experiences you can't miss. I don't have as much to say about this viewing compared to my others aside from just how wonderful it looked. As usual, the remasters are of a splendid quality, so all the locations and fantastic Canadian sets are at their best here. Even the title sequence looked utterly magnificent, especially all the smoke that goes around when he's knocking over the toy soldiers. Just looked so lifelike. Though, because I pretty much know this film from top to bottom, there isn't much I noticed that was new. So it was really the audience participation that made this all worth it. Like with The Man with the Golden Gun, the showing I attended clearly had fans who were very familiar with the film in the audience. So it was a delight to hear a bit of quiet laughter at all our favourite one-liners. I mean, I was pretty much just... (laughs) Uh, in hysterics <laughs> by the end when Roger said, keeping the British end up, sir. So, if there was anything that I found most remarkable watching this again, it was really Roger, who is by far my personal favourite of the Bonds. 
The reason I consider this to be his best performance and not something like For Your Eyes Only or Octopussy, which are still very good, I think it's because here he gets the best of both worlds. The down-to-earth aspects of his performance that become more pronounced in his last three films is pretty much here and accounted for, like when he's being confronted by Anya about whether he killed her boyfriend or not. But there's also the lovable charm and the wittiness that attracts people to his take on Bond. That's a healthy recipe to success in my mind. To close off, I just want to mention the Egyptian locations, some of which I was lucky enough to go and visit during a trip in 2010. The pyramids at Giza are obviously incredibly famous, but to have seen the real sonnet Lumiere that the film recreated is an experience beyond any description I can ever come up with. And of course, the temple at Karnak with its enormously tall and round pillars. They just look breathtaking. No wonder they decided to have Jaws walking at the top of them. Claude Renoir's cinematography is really inspired. So yeah, I adore this film so much. It's pretty much become the template for me on what I think a, a regular Bond film with a balanced tone should be like. There's no kind of awkward shifts from one to the other, which makes it an odd experience. Instead, it's all expertly blended just seamlessly. I couldn't ask for a better third outing for Maura's Bond. This is truly his finest two hours in the role. Very nice. Oh, it's Austrian. I bought it in Berngarten. Berngarten? Yes, I was doing some skiing. When was this? About three weeks ago. Why? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Do you recognize him? No, who is he? The man I loved. He was in Vanguarden three weeks ago. Did you kill him? When someone's behind you on skis of 40 miles an hour trying to put a bullet in your back, you don't always have time to remember a face. In our business, Anya, people get killed. We both know that. So did he. It was either him or me. The answer to the question is yes. I did kill him. Then, when this mission is over, 
I will kill you. Hi, Bob Foster here. I saw the spiral of me yesterday in Derby and I sat outside after I'd seen it and I, th and I thought I was very, very underwhelmed by it. For a start, this is the first one in this series that I've seen on my own, so I don't know whether that contributed to it. We, we saw the trailers and the adverts, and because of the size of the screen, which was a fairly small screen, when it went to widescreen, the screen was smaller to make the ratio right, rather than being on a big screen, usually the, the, the screen opens. So there was that. I enjoyed the pre-titles. The titles were very good. The print didn't look particularly good. It didn't look as dazzling as what the others had. Contributed to this, I, I, I saw this was the first one I'd seen on my own. So I'd got nobody to talk to, to discuss it with afterwards. So I wasn't going to give a review in at all, but my good friend John Orty texted me and then I rang him me to send this in. I didn't really want to send a negative one in, but at least it's a review. The screening, I, uh, I think, was full. There were a few titters, but I just thought it looked very dated. I, I didn't think that any of the others looked dated because the, I think the print had been improved that much. But this one, to me, whether it was a different print that the Odeon had been showing, it just didn't look sparkling like the others did. I didn't notice any extra notes, which I've noticed in the previous films. The, the scenery looked good. The, to be fair, when they went into the hangar, into the 007 stage set, it just didn't look big. Like I think it has done on previous viewings. It, it was just totally underwhelming the whole lot I'm, I'm very sorry to send this in as a review but i wasn't going to send one in at all but it's all i can say now this has made me extremely apprehensive about next week's viewing because there are two scenes in moonraker that i have always detested and i'll say which ones they are with my review next week and I should be going to see this with John so I'll have it something I'll, I'll be able to talk about it to to him about it with with our review okay again sorry about this <laughs> very negative re review but uh, it's uh, my feelings at the moment so okay I'll speak to you soon bye what an absolute blast that was the first time since 1977 I've seen the spy who loved me on the big screen and it didn't just disappoint. It never disappoints. It is the Bond film. It's Roger Moore perfection. I love it a bit. And at the cinema, it just flies. Everyone was enjoying it so much. They're laughing at the right points. They're excited at the right points. They bowled along. When the missiles were in the air between the two submarines and they were tracking them on the globe. There was complete silence in the cinema. The tension was just fantastic. Really enjoyed that. What a great evening. I had the pleasure of going to watch The Spy Who Loved Me at the View Cinema at The Rock, Berry. Just on my own this time, sadly not with any of the other really 007 lads. The audience was perhaps fairly similar, fairly steady, not as big as it has been here for, for some films. I did wonder whether this might be 
one which people chose to come to, particularly with it being Father's Day at the weekend. But it really showcased what a magnificent, epic film this is. It's it's such big filmmaking on, on such a grand scale. The Man with the Golden Gun is, I mean, I, I have such a fondness for it and I love it more and more every time I see it. But there is a significant gear change here and they obviously needed or felt they needed to up the stakes and that certainly comes across, especially when you watch it at the cinema. The scale of the whole thing, the the storytelling, I, I, it, it was just a fabulous experience to be able to um, to be able to watch this film on the big screen, and just to just imagine what what audiences were thinking after a three year gap, the biggest gap between films that they'd been to watch it in 1977 on the big screen. It must have been just mind blowing and must must have just blown the audience away. And so that's what it did for me on Saturday. It was it was magnificent. Some of the sound design really really came through. In particular, I think the whole audience jumped out the seats at that terrifying moment when Jaws appears in the wardrobe on the train to to attack Anya. That was really scary. But as I say, the scale of the thing, the locations, it really came across. And, you, you know, you really feel that Roger Moore, James Bond, is there in Egypt, and then they're there in Sardinia. And then the epic battle at the end. I mean, wow. The explosions, the, the, the gunfights, the battle, it's just... It's just absolutely magnificent, and to see it on the big screen was just such a pleasure. And so I can't wait for the unofficial sequel next week for Moonraker. Where's Anya? Well, well, well. A British agent in love with a Russian agent. Détente indeed. Sit down, Mr. Bunn. Your time's running out, Stromberg. Yours too, Mr. Bond. Yours too. And faster than you think. You've shot your boat, Stromberg. Now it's my turn. Hello, this is Gary Kay again. Uh, just had a very, very enjoyable evening watching my favourite James Bond film, The Spy Who Loved Me, on the big screen. Have seen it earlier this year at the Prince Charles Cinema in London, and I also saw it um, several years back when, sadly, after Roger Moore's death, although back then it was on a pretty small cinema screen in an art house cinema, still... The best way to watch this particular Bond film is most definitely on the big screen, as proven by this evening's fantastic viewing. The pre-title sequence certainly didn't disappoint. That looked absolutely fantastic on the big screen. The part in which Bond skis off of that cliff edge and the moments before the parachutes opens just seem to go on and on and on forever when you watch it on a big screen. Absolutely spectacular seeing that moment of Bond plunging down. Then the parachute finally opens with the Union Jack parachute, um, which was wonderful because it tied in with the Queen's Silver Jubilee in 1977. Uh, and um, then we have Morris Binder's title sequence uh, that follows it, which is 
it's, in my opinion, one of his very best of the Bond films. It captures so much about the um, ingredients of what makes a James Bond film great in its iconography, providing a fantastic visual reference for Carly Simon's superb theme song, Nobody Does It Better. Another absolute highlight of the film for me was the incredible fight on the train with Jules and um, the moment when he his massive hand goes round Roger's face. Uh, it really does make that character come across incredibly menacing. But one of the things that... Um, isn't lost, particularly when you watch it at the cinema and everything seems so exaggerated, is the fact that this film does something very, very clever with uh, the Jaws character in that it balances a goofy edge, um, a, com a slight comedic edge to um, the moments with Jaws alongside some very terrifying moments. And you as the audience are entertained but also terrified at the same time but um, also have a few laughs along the way and it's something that um, they just got the balance so so right in this film with that character for me the best henchman since odd job in goldfinger absolutely superbly played by richard kill and very well written by christopher wood and um, I have to mention Christopher Wood. I think his, his scripts for this film and for Moonraker, the, the quality of the dialogue, I think they never get mentioned enough by Bond fans. I think they are two of the best scripts in the series. Um, if you also consider the fact that um, for The Spy Who Loved Me, they had to come up with something that was very different to the book because of the um, contractual... Um, elements of when they secured the Bond rights they did an incredible Christopher Wood did an incredible job with the screenplay for this film also have to mention the beautiful Barbara Buck as Triple X on Bond Twitter at least one of the most underrated Bond women in the uh, series Granted, there are a few lines probably recorded very early on in the shooting where the delivery is slightly wooden. The vast majority, though, of the um, sequences with Triple X in the film, Barbara Back is excellent in them, the vast majority of them. The character is also a very strong character. Um, she's a strong woman, and um, as, a, as a character, probably the strongest we've had in several films since On A Majesty's Secret Service, certainly, although for the main part, Tiffany Case was excellent in Diamonds Are Forever too. Talking of strong female characters in Bond films, they don't get much better also than Caroline Monroe's Naomi, who is absolutely superb um, playing this helicopter pilot of a character a great villainess, one of the series' all-time greatest tench people. Uh, there's a twinkle in Caroline Monroe's eye when she's playing the part, um, which um, just adds to the whole fun of the thing. And, of course, there's that um, iconic wink from the helicopter as well. Kurt Jürgen Stromberg seems to be a pretty underrated villain um, by all counts, um, if you listen to some of the views on Twitter these days. 
I've always liked Kurt Jürgen's understated performance in the role of Stromberg and also he has a fantastic voice as well um, which just seems perfectly right for um, an arch villain. The locations in the Spy Love Me are absolutely stunning. We've got obviously the glaciers at the beginning of the film with the ski sequence and then we've got the um, fantastic exotic locales in Egypt which just looks stunning on a large cinema screen. And talking of visuals, um, they don't come much better than Ken Adams' fantastic set designs. They are absolutely outstanding in this film. There's this scale and spectacle of the interior of the Liparist super tanker. We've also got the fantastic and imaginative interiors of Stromberg's Atlantis base the um, metallic walls where the shark-infested pool um, is located, and then there's the incredible detail, the multi-leveled living quarters of Stromberg, which looks magnificent. Marvin Hamlish's Oscar-nominated score is absolutely fantastic. It's such a shame that the score is not available in its entirety to buy on CD these days. Um, just hope that at some point we get the cues as they're featured in the film available to buy because they are absolutely superb. Certainly one of the very best non-John Barry scores of the entire series. I particularly like as it would go without saying Bond 77 and the variations of it throughout the film. The ride to Atlantis um, and the variations of that particular piece of music are absolutely sublime and um, also the music that's played during the Pyramid show is absolutely glorious. The White Lotus Esprit that features in Spy Who Loved Me is one of my absolute favourite Bond cars in the entire series. It just looks fantastic on the screen, the sleek lines. The, um, during the car chase, it just looks phenomenal. Um, such an iconic vehicle. I, for one, would love to see its return or something similar in a future Bond film. The Spy Love Me for me is the film in which Roger's Bond is um, at its absolute best from this film onwards. Uh, the script is pitched absolutely perfectly for Roger's um, portrayal of Bond. And um, he's just given some fantastic witty lines in the film and also given the opportunity to play some dramatic moments as well. The film ends, of course, with the um, famous Keeping the British End Up, Sir, um, line of dialogue, which just doesn't fail to make an audience laugh and smile. And um, this is real entertainment these are um these roger moore films are films that back in the 70s into the 80s whole families were going along to see and be entertained and um it would be lovely to see a return to that style once again it's nice to have um dramatic uh, gritty bond films to choose from in the back catalogue as well but also at times we want to be watching something that will just entertain us and The Spy Who Loved Me completely delivers on every single level as far as entertainment's concerned. Can't wait for Moonraker next week. Hope everyone had a great time watching The Spy Who Loved Me this week at the cinema that went and um, speak to you soon. But James, what would our superiors say? They're never going to know. Thank you.
is the danger of the bins. Well, we'll soon find out. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Nobody does. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.